Um, this is a bears podcast, not a giraffe podcast. Um, so you can take your giraffe beer and go fuck yourself. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bears and Brews podcast. This is episode two of the Microbrewin series where we answer your questions and delve into some shorter topics. I'm so excited for today. Um, this I wanted, I want to just jump right in, um, mostly because we're both on a little bit of a limited time today. But are you drinking anything today? Uh, no. Should I be? I probably should be. I did find one of your beers in my fridge from oh. when you visited. One of the trout ones. So I have two here. So I have oh. some like on standby. So I could. That's a really good beer. That's what I'm going to be drinking when we do our trout episode because we are doing an episode on trout. Ooh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so save it for that. Save it for that episode. Are you just doing an episode on trout because there's a trout beer, or do you actually do we actually have things to? No, I want to talk about like the lake trout, the invasive lake trout in Yellowstone, and cutthroat trout. Um, and and things like that. So it, it is a very valid and relevant topic and an important one about mm -hmm. invasive species and stuff like that. So for sure. But yeah, it just it just works out that there's also a trout beer. <laughs> last last week we answered a couple different questions, or or you did, and then I fixed your answers. Uh, what? That's not how I remember it. This. <laughs> This week we have one question, but it's it has spurred a couple things that I really I want to take the time to talk about. We kind of you know talked a little bit about this in the moose episode, but the question that we got uh, from our friend Charlotte is: Are there exceptions to the rules for how far away you need to stay from wild animals? That's a good question. Also, what are you planning, Charlotte? I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe just stay away. <laughs> so what what do you think since you answer? If there are exceptions? Well, I guess if you're not, I was going to say just like a non-civilian, that's probably not the term. If you're like a park ranger or something, I imagine that the rules are different because you sometimes have to be closer. But as far as just like normal people, if there are exceptions? Yeah, like the general public. Um... Maybe if you're like running away from like Sasquatch or something and you have no choice but to get closer to a bear. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think I'd of any. I'd pick Sasquatch over the bear. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because I guess Sasquatch might just be like a really hairy dude. No, yeah, I'd probably pick the bear. I'd go with the bear. I think if Sasquatch was aggressive or mean or dangerous, we would we would have proof of his or her existence. Oh, I like that you have a his or her. No, because you'd find like, <laughs> well, there's got to be girl ones, right? Because, um, you know, we would find... I just there was just the one. Oh, just I one battle. <laughs> like with the Loch Ness Monster, people say there's like underground canals all over the world. So like the Bear Lake Monster and the Salt Lake Monster are the same. It's the same one as the oh actual Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. I love that. I know. Isn't that cool? People everywhere do come up with 
legends or you know stories about some sort of monster in whatever body of water lake or reservoir lock or whatever it is um are these the same people though that think the earth is flat because i don't know geographically how we have all of the canals and the earth is flat but I don't think it's the same people because we can, you know, we have visual proof that the earth is not flat. Uh, sorry, anybody out there? Don't let them, don't let them say that. <laughs> I have a feeling flat earthers are not listening to us, but uh, yeah, we have, you know, we have that proof. Whereas this is just like, like fun um, cryptozoology. Cryptozoology. I don't, I'm not familiar with that term. Oh, like abominable snowmen slash squatch type of thing. Like yeah. where it's like mythological. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Wendigos, stuff like that. I don't know what that is. Plenty of other podcasts cover all of those things. So we're not going to get into them. <laughs> but basically like cryptozoology is like mythical creatures, but actually taking a quote unquote scientific look at it. <laughs> I say quote unquote because the basis of science is observable and and obviously we can't observe Sasquatch. But yeah, it's like... Tell that to my grainy ass photos of something that looks like Sasquatch. Do you have Sasquatch photos? No, I don't. But I could. I can look some up right now online and you you can't definitively tell me that they're not sasquatch i guess well that's what's great about science it acknowledges that it can't say it's not like yeah there could be sasquatch we just just because you can't just because you can't prove existence doesn't mean that's proof of non-existence i just feel like i'm giving the wrong impression that i'm a believer in sasquatch when i have no opinion about sasquatch um wow that's rude (laughs) that's not gonna make him feel very worth very worthy or valued um I, I don't believe in any of that stuff but i also recognize there's a lot of shit with that we don't know right so i'm not saying it's impossible it's just not known okay anyway let's get back to the show uh <laughs> once again i am just drinking Lacroix because we are again recording during the middle of the day because it's still not the end of the quarter yet all right so sasquatch derailments aside uh, yes, there are exceptions to these rules. So we talked in the Moose episode about how in Yellowstone and the Tetons, the rules are 25 yards away from all animals and then 100 from bears and wolves. Every park has different um, rules for that. But something that's, I think, really important to remember is that is just the closest that, that doesn't mean you should be 25 yards away or exactly 100 yards away, right? It just means that that's the closest you should get. So there's definitely times when you should be quite a lot more than that, which I'll talk, talk about. And then there's very, very few times where it's okay to be closer than that. Um, so times when it's, it's times when you should be further away so again, the, the the guidelines that you'll get at the parks, that's just, you know, at the very least, this is how far you need to stay. But depending on the situation, it could be more. So like we talked about in the moose episode, if you're changing their behavior, right, if you are disturbing the animal in any way, shape or form, 
if you can't get yourself to safety if the situation went south. So it's really important to remember how fast these animals can run. You know, most of the wildlife is going to run, uh, most predators and most ungulates usually run in the 30s-ish miles an hour. Um, Pronghorn up to 60 miles an hour. And if you think about it this way, with a bear who run about 35 to 40 miles an hour, they can cover 40 feet a second. That's terrifying. So we want to make sure, you know, that we're being safe. We are not infringing on that animal being an animal. And another part of that is if you're blocking their eventual path. If it's pretty clear that they're going a certain direction, don't go up there and get in their fucking way. Just let them be an animal. Um, If you are blocking the road while you're watching them, I don't give a shit how far away they are. Move. Um, Obviously, you know, driving around Yellowstone every weekend, it gets really frustrating sometimes because we see that a lot. And one thing I have to constantly remind myself is like, this might be the only bear this person ever sees in their entire life, right? Or this might be the only elk or bison or whatever it is, right? So I try to have a little bit of patience. It doesn't last long, though. It's understandable. Yeah. And a couple more, you know, if you're putting yourself or anyone else in danger, you know, around, you know, in Yellowstone, that would be, well, there's a lot of situations, but um, maybe like climbing up on a certain rock that you're not supposed to be on. If there's a sign, you know, that says like no foot traffic, um, any thermal features you do not want to be walking on. So putting yourself or anyone in danger or if you're harming or disturbing nature. So not just the animal, but nature. Are you completely destroying this hillside because you want to get a better shot? Um, if so, that that's a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't feel right, we talked about that with the moose that I saw a few weeks ago. It just didn't, it didn't feel, I, I wasn't comfortable being 25 yards away. So I got more like 40 or 50 and that was where it felt okay. And then one of the other big ones is if a ranger or any other type of official tells you if they're giving direction, please follow that direction, especially in Yellowstone, the Tetons. Most of the people in those, um, it's called the Wildlife Brigade. Most of those people are volunteers. So they're taking time, you know, they're taking their weekends and they're deciding to come and deal with a lot of people doing a lot of dumb shit around wildlife and tourists not just normal people but tourists like yeah so be you know be kind to those people they are they if someone is asking you or telling you to you know go a certain way or back up or get back in your car or whatever the case is then you need to do that you know that happened with me in the Tetons a few months ago we were legally we we were fine legally right and i was safe my my two main things right i'm am i legal or i guess my three main things am i legal am i changing their behavior can i get to safety all of those were being followed but this wildlife brigade person could tell where this bear was going to go and you know they told me to go back to my car 
which was right there. So I did. So I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, but I'm 100 yards away or like throw a fit. Like they, we need to be listening to those people because they're doing those, they're telling us to do that for our safety or for the animal's safety. Mm -hmm. So don't be a prick to them and thank them. You know, they deal with so much bullshit. All right. So in my opinion, there are only two times it's okay to be closer to wildlife. And that would be if you're in a vehicle or a building and you have your windows and doors, you know, shut, rolled up, whatever, closed. Um, you know, there's a lot of times in in Yellowstone or even just anywhere where an animal will be right next to the road, something like that. If you're in a hard side of vehicle, it's fine. You can watch them. If they start trying to mess with your vehicle, I would honk, you know, scare them off. We don't want animals to think it's okay to, you know, or get comfortable coming up to vehicles. But so if you're in a vehicle or a building and they're closer, that's that's generally okay. Again, unless a professional on the scene is telling you otherwise. And then another time really should be a major exception. And that's if if you're in a situation that you absolutely cannot get out of. And there's a lot of people who do dumb shit and put themselves in those situations. But there are legit times where it just happens. You might not know there was an animal, you know, on the on the other side of this ravine behind you and you're you're at a pull off. I actually saw this happen uh, in Hayden Valley like a month ago, I think, in Yellowstone. Um, these everyone was at these pull offs watching these bison herds kind of across the road and and in the valley in the meadow. But there was a couple down this ravine behind the pullout that nobody knew were there. And so they decided to just run up and people weren't far away from their cars or anything. But, you know, all of a sudden there's a bison on the other side of your car from you, you know, without without going off trail and over by the ravine, there's no way to know it was even there. And in that case, you know, obviously get back in your car as fast as possible and be safe. But you know, try not to put yourself in those situations. Again, I I really think that was kind of unavoidable because basically none of us knew that there were other bison on that other side and they move really fast also. And just all of a sudden they were kind of around the cars in the pullout, walking through the pullout to join the rest of the herd. Oh, wow. I, I do actually want to tell, shocking, I want to tell a personal story of a time, something that happened to me in Yellowstone we were watching some bighorn sheep and they were across the Yellowstone River from us, from this pullout we were at. So we're watching them with these other, we went to a pullout and then walked down and we were watching them mm -hmm. and they disappeared from view. And we were talking to, there was another couple there and we were just chatting with them about the wildlife we'd seen and how cool the bighorn sheep were and all that stuff. And then I'm, I am not shitting you a few minutes later probably 10 feet away from the people we were talking to, they all just jumped the guardrail into the road. Oh my gosh. And it was a, gr yeah, I'll, I'll post some pictures. It was a group of rams and it scared the shit out of all of us. We had no idea they were there. Like we were, we were standing on the side of the road right in front of the gift shop, <laughs> like a place where it's like, okay, this is like a place you wouldn't expect them to be. And they jumped over the guardrail and 
they started walking toward us. Now, where the spot is, we were parked uphill in a turnout. And this area is uh, terrifying if you're afraid of heights, but it's also really cool. So very, you know, narrow two lane road, which is most of Yellowstone. But on one side, there's a cliff that goes straight up. And on the other side, there's a cliff that goes straight down to the Yellowstone River. And you're just on the edge on the road. Oh, wow. And so we see these rams and we're like, shit. And we start to walk backwards as fast as we can. We're walking backwards because we wanted to keep our eye on them, see what they were going to do. We're walking backwards as fast as we can, but it's like uphill and windy to the next pullout. So we're we're just booking it backwards, watching these rams. And of course, they're faster than us, oh my God. especially going uphill. Yeah. So they caught up pretty quickly. And what we ended up doing at that point is we flattened ourselves up against the guardrail and kind of just hunkered down a little and just were quiet, breathing quietly, not moving, not talking, and let them slowly walk past us. That's the type of situation you never want to be in. But there are times, even if you do all the right things, you may have a close wildlife encounter. So knowing the animals of the area that you're in. So yeah, I think, you know, and in all my times of being around wildlife and going to the park and things like that, there's only been, you know, that one time is the one where it was really close, even out on hikes and things like that. I mean, I've been close to moose before, um, on again, on accident, but for the most part, if you're smart and you're aware, it's not gonna happen. But if it does happen, there are definitely times if you cannot get to safety, evaluate the situation and think, you know, what is the most calming thing I can do right now so this animal doesn't see me as dangerous? And those bi- those bighorns, they didn't really care about us. They kind of side-eyed us as they walked by, but then they didn't really care. So we were definitely lucky. Um, you know, we had our were they just there for the gift shop? I think, yeah, they were buying some gifts and some uh, cappuccinos. <laughs> nice. They have good That's taste. probably why, actually, they were able to run up the hill so quick. <laughs> yeah. No, so there are times when it happens, but I think those times should be the exception and very, very, you know, rarely happening if, if we're smart about things. Mm-hmm. And again, not just for our own safety, but the people around us, the habitat around us, and the animals too. Absolutely. So those are really the only two times I can think of where it's okay, you know, not okay, but not the end of the world if you're closer, unless they kill you, then it's the end of your world. (laughs) All right. On that happy note. uh... (laughs) Okay, no, I'm not done yet though, because I, I did just real quick. There are ways to get... You know, there's ways to get the shots you want, to get the views you want, and it's optics. So I have like four pairs of binoculars, I think, um, and they stay, well, mine are just always in the car. And obviously using a camera with a really nice zoom, a really nice optical zoom. So, you know, an actual zoom lens, a nice camera setup. One of my favorite things to use to watch wildlife to where I feel like I'm really close is spotting scopes. There's a lot of different brands. Some of the most popular ones are Vortex, uh, Swarovski, and Leopold. Wait, Swarovski? Like crystals? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, 
Oh, so it's probably really affordable, I'm guessing, right? It's not as expensive as you would think, <laughs> but it's still pretty expensive. I Right now, I have a scope. I have a couple pretty nice pairs of uh, Nikon binoculars. My mom just got some really nice Vortex binoculars, and I'm probably going to go get a pair too, actually. But my spotting scope is kind of an off-brand that I got because I didn't really want to invest a ton of money in it right off the bat until I was a lot more comfortable with them, things like that. So mine is kind of an off-brand, but it's still it's still really good. It's like 20 by 80. So 20, so the first number is gonna be your actual magnification. And then the second number on like a it'll say like 10 by 50, right? 10x50 or 12x60, whatever. So the first one's your magnification, and then the second one is basically like the size of the lens, how much light is let in. So the higher the magnification, the closer you can see, but the smaller your field of view, and it gets pretty shaky. Um, but my scope is like a 20 by 85 or something like that, which is pretty powerful um, the glass is a super high quality, so it's not it's not really clear even when it's focused if I'm zoomed all the way. But it's just pretty good spotting scope for, you know, being under two hundred dollars, especially. The one that I want is like three grand. Oh wow. So quite a lot different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can get a little crazy. Is it the Swarovski one? Don't I? No, it's a Vortex one actually. But also, right, like I I'm working on starting a business where these are going to be used a lot. So needing something really high quality that's going to last a really long time is important. So in that mm -hmm. case, you know, if you're just if you're just going out here and there, yeah, you probably don't need a $4,000 scope. Another really cool thing you can get for your scopes are phone attachments. There's one called Phone Scope with a K, so S K O P E, that's a brand. And that those are kind of universal, so they're a little tricky to use sometimes. There's a newer-ish brand called Allen that's out, and they have a magnetic system. Mm -hmm. So they don't make one that fits my scope yet because my scope is not like a you know nicer name brand. But it's a magnetic attachment, and it, it clips on your phone, and then it clips right to the scope. So there's no dicking around with all the complicated stuff of of the cheaper ones um the only downside to those all-ins is i think it's only five or six brands right now that they make those for to fit but that's what if you see these some of these guides on social media getting just amazing videos super clear really far away really still through a scope most of them are using this all-in system because it it just it gives a much better image through the scope and it's really hard to get a good image through a scope if you're not using some kind of attachment anyway yeah so i really appreciate charlotte asking me that because that's a good question yeah and it you know i think it highlights the case of everything is a little situational so yeah it might be a hundred yards i mean when kelly was here we were watching this wolf I actually looked it up later and checked the distance. He was about a mile away from us. So we were watching him through scopes and things like that. But he knew, he kept looking over. He knew there was a crowd of people watching him. And even though we were a whole mile, I I probably wouldn't have gotten closer even if we could have. Uh, 
where we were on the landscape, it wasn't possible anyway. But even if we could have, I probably wouldn't because he clearly knew we were there. And, you know, also he was howling, which was really cool when everyone was quiet. Aww. We could hear him howl. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> so, you know, the the yardage and feet or kilometers, depending on where you're at, those are just like, at the very least, you need to be this far away. So use your judgment. You know, go off those rules of thumb. If you're changing your behavior, if you're not safe, if you're blocking anything, if you're, you know, har- doing any kind of harm or putting anyone in danger, or if you're told, you know, then then you need to, to give more room. Makes sense. And just because someone else is getting closer doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. I'm really about self-policing. These wildlife brigades that are mostly volunteers, they can't be everywhere all the time. So if you see somebody getting too close, I would say something. I do say something on on a regular basis. You know, I'm kind of nice when I say stuff because I don't I don't want to be like a well I don't want to be a dick, but you know I don't want to shame anybody. They're just excited usually. You know, sometimes people are just being assholes, and you know sometimes they need to be shamed. <laughs> They're just like well, right, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Um, but sometimes people are just so excited that they're you know they just got here and they're seeing this or they're seeing that, and you just don't yeah. you just don't really think about it, right? And so be be nice about it. But I think it's if you know if somebody if the only reason somebody is not getting too close or getting on a thermal feature or whatever is because there isn't a ranger there then to me, that's a problem. Like we need to speak up for things that cannot speak up for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And use caution. There was that viral video. What was it like a month or so ago? That dude like pulled out a gun in Yellowstone at a guy that was telling him to get off the thermal features. Oh my God. I didn't see that. Yeah. And they were from Utah, actually. In this day and age, you never know. But I think the majority of the people that are going to the parks at least around here, are pretty excited to be there. Well, it seems like there's been some good results from people filming, uh, what do you call them, tourons, <laughs> that are, you know, trying to, like, jump in a thermal feature or, like, pet a bison or something like that. I think in most of those cases, they're able to ID the person in the video um, and find them. Don't they generally get, like, find possibly some sort of yeah some people do need shaming people that are out walking in the middle of grand fucking prismatic hell yeah that's clearly they clearly know they're doing something wrong like in that case yeah and to your point you can you can take those pictures you can get their license plates you can report them there's actually like a hotline phone number thingy or email oh should we share that uh, so the NPS-wide tip line from the NPS.gov website is 888-653-0009. Yep. Or, yeah, the one online is go.nps.gov slash submit a tip. And there's an Instagram account, specialagent underscore NPS, the investigative services of NPS. And I think some people are nervous to share because they're nervous to share who they are. It doesn't mention on the website, uh, you don't have to tell us who you are, but please tell us what you know. Um, So you can submit like an anonymous report. Um, There's an email, nps underscore isb at nps.gov. There's an online form on the nps.gov website. And then there's that NPS-wide tip line 
<laughs> you can also text the tip line. So if that's more comfortable at 0099. Yep. And then, you know, whatever whatever authority of where you're at. So if it's National Forest, you can get in touch with them. And they do they do follow up on things like that. And they do cite people and they do put people in jail for things and find them mm -hmm. and all that sort of, you know, it's very, I would say more often than not, a ranger isn't on scene to take care of it right then and there. Like like the guy who pulled that bison calf out of the river, right? They found him. Well, he he turned himself in the next day. But he was gone by the time the rangers got there. Yeah, they really rely on some of that that citizen help. And, you know, the anonymous part is even better than you don't have to worry about a situation happening. <laughs> All right. Well, that's about what I got for the answer to that question of are there exceptions to the rules for how far away you need to stay from animals? And I think, again, the big things are be smart about it, be logical about it, be safe. Well, thanks. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this microbrewing episode. And have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. <laughs>